This podcast was derived from the Rotary Radio Show, which airs every Friday between 6 and 8 p.m. on Community Radio Station 3WBC 94.1 FM. In this podcast, which came from two Rotary Radio Shows on the 27th of June and the 4th of July, genealogist extraordinaire Jane Davies outlines So You Want to Start a Family Tree, Some Tips and Ways Ahead. This actually was taken from a presentation Jane made to our Rotary Club, the Rotary Club of Canterbury. David's asked me to talk about genealogy. I wasn't aware that so many people in here are actually interested in genealogy. Um, as far as I'm concerned, genealogy is the ultimate soap opera. It is full of all sorts of things, much better than you get on Neighbours or Home and Runaway or anything like that. Um, you start off with a reasonably straightforward and you think quite ordinary family and something sets you off looking for uh, more information about it. And it's quite true, very sadly, that you don't realise just how important family is and knowledge about family until something um, sets you off. And usually it's something that makes you think, well, I should have talked to mum when she was still alive or I should have talked to my grandmother or my grandfather used to know all about this. Pity nobody wrote it down. In my case, it was a family that we emigrated to Australia in 1964. I had a large extended family I just basically took for granted and so did everybody else in the family. One day I had this large family, we emigrated to Australia and the next I just had my sister, my mother and my father and that was it. I just lost my extended family. But when I first went back to England um, several years later, I was sitting around, you know, oh, this is Jane, she went to Australia, you know. Oh, did you, dear? Yes. Have you got kangaroos down the bank street and all the rest of it? While talking about that, people started to talk about, oh, I remember your father when he was little. I remember your mother when she did this. And there was constant reference to the boys. And my grandfather used to talk about the boys. My grandmother talked about the boys. My sister knew about the boys. My mother knew about the boys. And I eventually said, who are the boys? And they turned out to be my grandfather's two brothers, uh, three brothers, plus my grandmother, who was deceased at that stage, her brother, plus three of her cousins. And it gradually unravelled that the boys had all died in World War I. And I was in England in 1971, but they were still referred to as the boys. But when I asked people who the boys were in terms of, well, what did they do, what happened, etc., Nobody actually knew much about the boys. They knew the names, they knew they, knew they died in World War I. And that was about it. But it was quite obvious the death of one of the boys had had a huge impact on my family. It had in fact split the family. So I started looking for the boys. And that was 1971 and I'm still looking for bits and pieces of my family years and years and years later. So that was the hook that got me involved in genealogy. And usually that's what sets people off, wanting to know a little bit of something. The more you look, the more you actually discover. And really, what you should do is do it in an organised fashion. I spent about 20 years doing it in a disorganised fashion. And then I started to actually think, well, I've got so much paper it's not funny. 
So I actually need an organised plan. So I thought, well, I'll talk about an organised If you are going to search your family, you have got two branches of your family you can look at, maternal and paternal. As soon as you go backwards one generation uh, from your parents, you've got four grandparents. You go back one gener- generation from that, you've got eight. The next generation six. So you're talking about a rapidly expanding family. And each generation you go back, you're adding a different surname to the mix. So what you need to decide if you're going to search for your family is a focused which branch, which line, and you have to avoid the temptation to wander off and do something else, which is extremely difficult, let me tell you. You also need to have everything that you possibly can to stop you accumulating boxes and boxes of paper. You should see my spare room. This is a case of me saying something and not necessarily practicing what I preach. Basic stuff, you need notebook, large plastic sleeves, pencils. You cannot use a pen in record offices. They shoot you. Uh, Erasers, a magnifying glass. Most of our ancestors could have been doctors. You'll discover that if you go looking. You need file cards. You need some way to organise your information. And there is a huge amount of information um, available on electronic data storage. The one I'd probably recommend if you were interested is a, is a family history program called Grants. You can download it free off the internet and you can just load up all your stuff, photographs, reports, doc- like Grandpa, exactly. And there will be a lot of people that you will meet as you do genealogy who probably use Grants as well and pedigree and family group charts. Again, wonderful things. You can download them for free off the internet. So there's a whole stack of stuff out there because there's a whole sort of underground movement of genealogists out there. How you start, you, most of us will start with a, a distant relative. I started with the boys. So I skipped my parents' generation and my grandparents' generation. I went straight to the missing boys and I didn't talk to my grandparents. By the time I decided it would be a good idea to do that, they had died and an awful lot of information disappeared with them. I have always meant to sit down with my father and talk to him about a whole heap of information. He died very suddenly 12 years ago. My mother is 85. She now lives in England and I need to talk to her very quickly. Otherwise, she won't be there. But the temptation is to go back to the interesting ones. And that usually means you're starting from the back. can't get to where you want to go unless you start with yourself. So you need to sit down and say, self, tell me all about yourself. You want to focus on the things that are provable. So you want dates, names, places and what you were doing there. Why were you living in Cheltenham for five years? What was the reason you were there? You were born in Shepparton. Why were you born in Shepparton? You're living in Melbourne now. Why were you born in Shepparton? So you're asking those sorts of questions about yourself. And you want to repeat the process for your siblings. I was, I was born in one county, for example. I was christened in another. So I needed to find out the reason why. Um, and my, the county I was christened in was across the other side of the, the country. So I had to find the reason why. You need to uh, find out the differences and discrepancies between yourself and your siblings. 
um, and note all those down. And you need to go back a generation to your parents and do the same thing. When you're doing that, you're going to acquire a lot of information and some of it is not going to be accurate. Families are secretive little groups and they create all sorts of things which don't necessarily relate to the truth and for a variety of reasons. So you need to asterisk things that are family stories, things that you are unsure of, things that appear to you to be a little bit uncertain and something that you can go back and verify once you start the document. Then you have to collect proof. It's fine if Grandma says, oh, in 1917, your great-uncle Herbert went off to war, but you have to prove that. Um, if you can't prove it, it remains this great unknown. Um, and until you've proven it, it's just a family story. So you need to collect birth, marriage, death certificates. Australian death certificates are superb. They are a little potted mini genealogy in themselves. So if you have anybody who's died in Australia who's part of your family, it will state on their death certificate their name, their parents' name, their place of birth, their date of birth, possibly the place and date of their parents' birth. It will list their wife, um, her age, her date of birth, her place of birth, their children, their dates of birth, whether those children are alive or deceased, if they were deceased when they died. It's fantastic. English death certificates simply state the person died and they died of this cause and that's it. So Australian death certificates are fantastic. Unfortunately I have nobody in my family who died in Australia apart from my dad. You want photographs, you want ration books, you want to go on the great family expedition through everything that they've got in the cupboards, the garage, the loft, everywhere. What have they got? And you're not just talking about your immediate family, you're talking about your grandparents, your cousins, as many people as you can talk into, going to have a ferret around to find out what information you've got. You want to then sit down with all this memorabilia and take down information. If somebody in your family has a pilot's licence that was issued in 1905, what other information is on that licence? Does it have a photograph? If it does, scan the photograph. Does it have a place of issue, a date of issue? Take down that information. Take a copy of the document. Uh, take a copy of certificates. You want as much accumulated information as possible and as much copy, uh, copied material as you, can, as you can put together. You never ever work with original documents. I do have a, gen a lady who um, I was helping um, with her genealogy and she kept all her original birth, death, marriage certificates, the original ones, in a plastic folder which she promptly left on a bus one day. Gone. Completely. I've had other people who've said, oh, you've got no idea. I had my mother's, mother's certificate and I was working from that the other day and, and I spilled coffee on it. You never ever work from original documents. You take copies and you put the originals in a safe place so that they're kept for future generations. When you're working with the documents, you will find spelling mistakes. Our tendency is to correct spelling mistakes. I'm an English teacher and my life is correcting spelling mistakes. You have no knowledge about whether your family name changed either. So, Grandad may have spelt it one way, you may spell it another, 
If you correct Grandad's spelling and it turns out that your name was once the way he spelled it, you will never find your ancestors. You're looking for the wrong spelling. Check it out first. Your name could be not what you think it is. And the reason why it changed could be absolutely fascinating. Grandad wasn't well educated, obviously couldn't spell. Well, that could be true as well. But until you prove that, leave the spelling as it is. Dates are also unreliable. We change dates for all sorts of reasons. When did that happen? Oh, 1905? We've guessed. Or a family can change dates to um, regularise certain things or tidy up suspect things or just because they made a mistake. My grandmother has a wonderful reputation or had a wonderful reputation. She never let a gap in her knowledge stand in the way of invention. She didn't know the answer, she made it up. And if she didn't like the right answer, she jazzed it up. It took me about 10 years to realise that a lot of the things she'd told me were incredibly fantastic fiction. And that's what happens with dates. So, when Grandma has said 1905, are you sure, Grandma? Definitely, it was 1905. Check the date. Um, underline all dates until they're proven by documentation. Like my grandma, um, yours probably have been known to make mistakes or tidy things up, particularly if there's some very interesting things going on in the family that maybe dates would reveal things. It wasn't until after my father died and, um, and my grandmother died six months later, we were going through family papers. My sister said, oh, here's, here's my, here's my uh, grandma's wedding certificate. Do you want a copy of it? You're into genealogy. Yes, I do. So I got the wedding certificate and I looked at it and I thought, this is interesting. You look at the date of marriage and you look at my father's date of birth, there was a little bit of a discrepancy there. He was a five-month child. My mother looked at me, I looked at my mother and she said, oh, thank God your father's dead. He would never recover from this. And my grandmother for years told everybody her name was May who would say oh that's a nice name were you born in May oh yes I was gosh she was born in January when I tackled her with it she said I like presents she got presents for her birthday in January from the family who knew when she was born and presents from other people in May who she told when she was born you know. never change a date to a logical one investigate the dates you've got some are errors and some you can correct but never change something until you know why. Uh, talk to your family. Um, a lot of people say, oh, I'm the only one in the family interested in genealogy. That may be true, but the rest of your family knows stuff. And the stuff they know is probably stuff they don't know they know. If they're not interested in family history, then it's not important to them. But what they do know is really quite amazing. Particularly if they, if they know you've suddenly started to um, fossick around in family history. Oh yeah, well, did you know your uncle George? Now he was part of, and all of a sudden you've got this piece of information out of nowhere. Yes, you have to verify it, but some of it can be absolutely fascinating. And you can track it down to reveal all sorts of things. I traced one of the boys, and from a chance piece of information, 
Oh, yes, they all got the usual three medals. I think William, I, William got a fourth medal. Are you sure? Oh, yes, it was it's very pretty. Had a nice ribbon, but he got four. How sure are you? Absolutely, four. Go checking, William Shaw, he was, he was awarded the military medal for acts of bravery. Track that down and you find the citation and you find out what he did. Um, but as far as the family's concerned, oh, he just got four medals. But somebody in the family remembered that. If I hadn't have been given that bit of information, I would have just assumed that the boys just got the military medal, the 14-15 star and the victory medal. But I've now got a whole tale of, of bravery and it is quite extraordinary bravery. bravery too. There's somebody in your family who has got a phenomenal memory and has acquired all sorts of bits and pieces of trivial information. In genealogy we call them the key. They're the ones who've got everything in their head. All you've got to do is locate who the keeper in your family is because they know all this stuff. And if they don't know it, they know somebody in the family who does know it. And they're a national treasure and should be awarded a great deal of respect. If their tipple is brandy, buy them lots of it. If they're a sugar addict, buy them cake. If they, if they think they, you, your hair is too long, get it cut. Whatever makes them happy, if you're interested in family history, do it because they will reward you with all this information, which means you have to work out a plan of talking to them. In other words, you need to interview them. Interviewing means that you have to do it very carefully. You put a microphone in front of somebody, they dry up. If you say, right, I've got 59 questions and I want the answers to all of these, they will give you just yes, no, could be answers. What you need is a situation where you'll get people to just talk. Putting a recorder somewhere where it's unobtrusive, you have to let people know you are recording it, but unobtrusive and just getting them to talk. Start them off with a few questions, just get them to talk about particular topics, let them wander off into irrelevancies. You can always go back and take out the information you want. The more you encourage people to talk, the better the information you will get. Get them talking, because they do know incredible things. And there's always a keeper in a family, always a keeper. So you work from copies. Um, having said that, though, you need to do it sensitively. Um, in families, there are all sorts of skeletons and things that a lot of people in the family don't want public or don't want you to know. So you have to have the sensitivity to realise that maybe you're going to talk to someone about something that is a very sore point. So again, you need a bit of psychology and a bit of sensitivity. If you're going to record someone, you need to tell them that you're going to record them. And before you actually share what they say with you, to you, you need to check with them that it's okay to share. My grandmother used to gossip about all sorts of people in the family. If she thought for one minute I was going to tell them what she'd said, my source of information would have dried up completely. She would never have spoken to me ever again. So you have to be careful. You also have to realise that there are some things that are desperately important that remain hidden in families. Some of them quite, quite um, outrageous, some of them quite shocking. So again, you have to be a bit sensitive about things. And just because 
somebody is 96 doesn't mean to say they are the, com- the um, family's keeper. They could be just a 96-year-old Aunt Minnie, who's a very nice lady, and she may know nothing. Your keeper could be your mother, or could be your cousin. Um, it can be the most unbelievable people in the family. By this stage, you should have a whole wodge of information and it needs to be organised, otherwise it just remains a box full of information. On the internet, there are two fantastic charts. One's called a family group sheet, the other one's called a pedigree chart. And that helps you organise people into groups, family groups with all the information um, that goes along with them, plus puts people into context in generations. Um, There's stacks of them on the the internet. All you need to do is a Google search, download one and then just print it off. But it helps to keep you organised. I use file cards that one per person um, so that I've got an an ongoing record of all the information that relates to that one person. Other people use a couple of cards per family. It's whatever way you think. Some people think... um, in generations, other people think on the computer, um, other people need things in front of them. I'm a concrete person, so I need cards in front of me with information. But if you get disorganised, you will remain for the rest of your natural life disorganised with this stuff. It is essential you organise it right from the beginning. It doesn't matter what system, as long as it's organised. Once you've got this, you're in a position to say, now there's a huge gap here. I'm looking at my great-grandfather. They had children every two years and then all of a sudden there's a ten-year gap and then they start having children again. What's happening in that ten years? Why is there a ten-year gap? And you go looking for information to actually explain that gap. The usual one is that you find... Um, couples having children up until 1914. They don't have children again until 1920. It's World War One. If there is that gap, there is a very clear indication you're looking at somebody who was serving overseas and used probably for the entire period of the war, which means you go looking for a war record. If you're looking at a gap of five years, people were in Australia or people were in one place in England, then you're probably looking at children who died in infancy. So you're looking for death certificates, you're looking for deaths and burials, uh, you're looking for a trip, trip to the local cemetery or churchyard, which is fascinating. So you need to start to identify gaps. You have the birth date for one child, you're missing the birth date for three others. You're creating a list of what's next to do, an action plan, um, whether, whether you actually follow the action plan or get distracted of course is a different matter Um, and that's at that stage you can start exploring what's on the net but if you jump straight on the internet if you're all suckers of the ancestry heads then um, you're going to get hopelessly lost you need to systematically start with you and go all the way back once you've finished going back as far as you can working with your family that's when you deal with the internet and there's a massive information out there. Ancestry would have you believe that all you do 
You put in a name and zap, your family history will appear, complete with photographs. This is not the case. You need to have a starting point for ancestry and one thing ancestry doesn't tell you is it's very expensive to get a subscription. Local libraries have ancestry for free. So if you are going to try ancestry or going to try genealogy is something you're going to pursue, find a local library that has ancestry, use it in the library and make a decision as to whether or not it's worthwhile you taking out a subscription. If it's not, then just become a regular visitor to the library. It's just as good. There's also um, a whole heap of other information out on the internet. Uh, there are databases produced by the Public Record Office of Victoria. They have shipping lists accessible for free. There's a whole heap of other people who, will, who don't appear to have lives. They will sit in a record office in England and transcribe all the birth, marriage and death records or baptism, marriage and burial records and put them up on the internet. So do some creative Google searches for the place you know your ancestors came from and then put parish records online and see what pops up. There are also free databases by genealogists who have an objection for paying, to paying for their records. So they put up records for free. Free BMD, which is almost complete, is the record of births, marriages and deaths for people in England. It's on the internet, it's accessible for free. Free SEN is the list of the, is the um, record of census information for England. It's not complete yet, people are still putting information up, but you should be able to find your ancestors in census documents. And census documents in England began in 1841. You can get them all the way through to 1911. Uh, if you get the 1911 census, you are looking at your ancestors' handwriting, along with a whole heap of really hilarious information. On the census, people required to, uh, to give their name, their surname, their first name, their age, how long they were, to be, they were married, the number of children that were born, the number of children still living, the number of children who had died, their occupation, who they worked for, their place of birth and any disabilities. A number of people actually put next to their mother-in-law who was living with them as a disability, talks too much, stayed too long, should leave now, etc., some interesting people, obviously intimidated by authority, must have been told, you include everybody in the household. Either that or they had a wicked sense of humour because you find the cat and the dog listed. Fido, six years old, born in Berkshire, disability, crimp in his ear. All these sorts of things like this. You get the, the address, the specific street address of where these people live. The 1911 one has your, has your ancestors' handwriting, um, which in itself is fascinating. And you can tell a great deal from handwriting. Somebody whose handwriting is jerky all over the place, lots of blots. This person is unused to writing. The level of education is probably low. His occupation doesn't require him to write. Um, therefore, he has produced a signature which is very stilted, a big, bold, confident signature 
tells you a lot about the personality of the man who, who signed it. So you can start to create a personality for the people that you're, in, that you're researching. Free Reg is parish registers, baptism, marriage and burial, which go back beyond 1837. So they can go back as far as 1538, if you're lucky. So you're looking at information that will take you further and further back. Uh, and that is freely available online. Family Search, God bless the um, Mormons and the Church of Latter-day Saints. They have a mission to link everybody back to the Mormon Church. And that's fantastic because they collect genealogy records like you wouldn't believe and there are your ancestors and they've got records that nobody else has which is wonderful because they're so concerned about sealing people back to the Mormon faith they put their records up on the internet for free and all you do is Google family search and up it comes newspapers um, Australia has a project to digitise its um, papers it's called Trove. If you Google Trove newspapers, you are into the archive of Australia's newspapers for free. You can search it by name, by publication, by year, by day, by date, by month, and you can find all sorts of stuff about your ancestors. No television, so the newspapers recorded the most interesting things. The equivalent of Trove in the UK is the British Newspaper Archive Online. Unfortunately, it is not free, but it's a pay, what they call a pay-per-view site. Once you've accessed something, you can then pay for what you want to download. You don't have to subscribe to it. If you subscribe to Ancestry's arch enemy called Find My Past, you automatically get a free subscription to um, British Newspaper Archives Online. Or you find somebody who has and you say, look, I'll mow your lawn if you'll go and check these for me. The genealogy community is like that. I get emails from all sorts of people all over the world. Oh, you've got to find my past subscription. Can you just check this for me? Um, there are people who are distantly related to my family. I've met them online. I chat about the family. I exchange information. I've never met them and I'm never likely to. But I look up stuff for them and they look up stuff for me. And yeah. However, we all know what the internet is like. You have to verify what you find because it's a totally unregulated um, service. Anybody can put anything up on the internet. Unless it offends common decency, it stays there. So the whole thing of, I get this from, I'm, I'm a teacher, I get this from kids all the time, it must be true it was in Wikipedia. Well, duh. Uh, if it's on the internet, it must be true. I got it from the internet, miss. Well, no. And nobody makes up a genealogy record? Excuse me. They do. Our friends, our friends in America are very fond of starting off with a very firm conviction that they are related to royalty and they make the facts fit. There are also a whole heap of people out there who pursue genealogy for some very crackpot reasons. I belong to the Australian Institute of Genealogical Studies, which is a very pompous sounding organisation, but it's um, basically a group of 
really interesting people. They're not at all pompous. But on our shelves we have a very well researched on first look um, family history that's been donated to the library which traces this very nice lady's origin and her family history back to Jesus. So when you look at it it looks extremely well researched but there's a fundamental problem with that and she doesn't seem to have twigged to it. However, she's a nice lady and we put it on the shelf. So should you ever go into the AIGS, David, and find this, do not bring it to class and say, look what I found, okay? Because it's flawed. And there are a number of other people who've got genealogies that are out on the net and probably about your family too, which look very, very convincing. But they have, I call them stitches. They found bits and pieces of information, stitched it together and it all looks really good. But when you test it and you try and verify it, it all falls to pieces. So there are lots of family histories on the net. There's lots of information on the net which will solve your problem, but until you can prove that it's true and you can document it, it should go as a possible, a perhaps, a maybe, or into that category of, oh yeah, right. Okay. Um, and it's up, it's up to you to check. If you accept something, even ancestry trees. Anybody who's got a subscription to ancestry knows that you can get into everybody's public tree and you can find all sorts of interesting pieces of information. Um, but a lot of them are just wishful thinking or else stitches. Um, and the big giveaway is when you get into somebody's family tree and they claim to have 59,000 relatives. I think they've just been collecting. Um, so you have to verify everything on the internet. If you're working by yourself, then you are likely to get very frustrated. You hit brick walls and you can't solve them. Or you go round in circles, or you get fed up, or you get dis disheartened, or you decide golf is looking a lot better, and you wander away from it. And then ten years later you come back and think, oh, I wish I'd spoken to so-and-so, I wish I'd done this. It always helps to work with somebody else. Um, you will find somebody in your family is vaguely interested and if you talk to them long enough you'll get them very interested. And having somebody who looks at your family research is extremely useful. They're the sort of people who will point out the obvious to you, which means you hate them. For 20 years I had two people, same name, same, same first name, same surname, same family, they were cousins and they were born in the same year and they were born as far as I was concerned in the same quarter of the year and one had a large family which was mine, the other one didn't have a very large family and I thought poor fella. It wasn't until 20 years later somebody who had contacted me and said oh look you know I'm working for somebody who, who's looking for the same family, can we exchange information I'll give you a copy of everything I find, etc. I said, oh yeah, I'll do that. And he got back to me a little while later and he said, do you realise you've got the Williams around the wrong way? I said, what do you mean? He said, you've got William married to Judith over here with a large family and you've got William married to Hannah over here with a very small family but it's the wrong William. I said, what do you mean? Well, William didn't marry Hannah 
he married Judith. And that William didn't marry Judith, he married Hannah. Overnight, I lost the whole family. And I was most peeved. There's 20, 20 years of research down the tubes. But the difference was there was somebody looking at my research. Um, previous to that, I had simply done research by myself. And I knew what I was doing, didn't I? Well, apparently not. So I've got a different branch of the family now and I'm very pleased for his very large family but I've now got a very small one. And the researcher I'm still very pleased with. So having somebody look at your research, they point out the obvious. You know, things like, do you realise that person died before, they, before his wife gave birth to their last child? Yes, I know that. Yes, but that was an incredibly long pregnancy, Jane. That's uh, 13 months. Oh, right, okay. Just simple things like that. You make the assumption, oh yes, this is a posthumous child, but you don't do the math. Or you just make an assumption. So having someone look over your shoulder is really good, which is where you might like to consider joining one of Victoria's um, two genealogy societies. That's why I joined one. There's the Genealogy Society of Victoria, which is based in the city, which has as its main interest um, Australia and Victorian genealogy. Then there's the very pompous-sounding Australian Institute of Genealogical Studies, which is in Blackburn so it's not very far away. Um, it's not a pompous organisation at all. Um, it has a library. It has the largest collection of British um, genealogical records in the Southern Hemisphere. So it's an extremely useful place. If you are interested, she said, this is a paid party political announcement, um, as of July you can join for the AIGS pro rata, so it will cost you less. And if you're clever, you'll get all your research organised so you can get six months membership and you can get an awful lot out of it. Um, I would imagine the GSV has got a similar sort of situation. Um, they're both voluntary organisations, so they, they depend on members. So it's possible that that could be an answer to getting you motivated. Or you can do as David did and find, find a um, local genealogy course. Um, I got bludgeoned into offering a genealogy course for the Elfham Youth Rehab, which is a great deal of fun. Um, I get to play with other people's family histories and records that I ordinarily wouldn't get to play with and I'm learning a whole heap about records. But they can jog memories if you're working with someone in the family. Someone will suddenly say, oh I've got a piece of paper you might be interested in and out comes this absolute treasure. Or they will solve problems for you. Oh, well, you know where you can't find that, can't, don't you? He was in jail, you know. Oh, was he? Yes, but don't tell anybody. Well, that instantly gives you a whole new avenue of research. Oh, yes, well, well you know, yes, she, she, oh, yeah, well, she never married, you know. Yes, but she's got two children. Yes, and we all know about that, don't we? It was that boy who had that farm, you know, that farm? Hmm? Well, yes. And all of a sudden you've got parents, you've got a father for children that you didn't even know existed and you're into the local newspapers and sure enough you find all sorts of things. Genealogists will do that. I've recently just discovered a whole branch of my family in a place in England that I would not have thought for one minute they would have gone um, to live in. And it was David's fault 
that I found them. I was checking something for um, uh, for somebody and I came across the name Proud and I thought, oh, I'll just go and check that because there's a record of Proud turned up in, in um, Northumberland. And while I was there, I came across Lightfoot's. And I thought, oh yeah, and Enoch Lightfoot. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I've got Enoch Lightfoot's and they've gone missing. So just out of interest, I checked. And sure enough, he's my Enoch Lightfoot. He's nicked off from Cheshire, gone north. I've been looking for people who were salt workers. And salt is not something I associate with Northumberland because Enoch was a salt worker, mining salt. There's apparently a whole heap of salt mines up in Northumberland. Not only is Enoch Lightfoot up there, but his whole damn family's up there and his neighbours and a whole heap of cousins. So if I hadn't have been fossicking around and just saw Proud, and I'll check that. I'm sorry, David, I got distracted. I never did go and find your Proud. But yeah, but I found my Lightfoot. So that sort of thing is, is absolutely fantastic. Plus it keeps you motivated and it gets other people interested as well. This is one. I, oh, makes me laugh. Oh, it only took me a weekend. Yes, I, I got onto the internet and back to 1500 just overnight. Three days. And the people who say, oh, you know, back to 1250. Right, that's interesting. They didn't keep records then, you know. Once I got started, it was easy. I just found them all. Oh yeah, right. Unusual surname made it even easier. Unusual surnames do make it much easier. But the temptation is to say, oh, you know, Fredericksburg, living in England, that's unusual. There's another one, must be the same family. Not necessarily at all, okay? Um, and I got my family back to 1500 in three days. No, I don't think so. It's a never-ending story. I've been doing it since 1971. I have got my Davies Yeezys back, however it's spelt, to 1850, and then they disappear in the wilds of Wales. You try and find a Davies in Wales, you've got millions of them. Which one is mine? I do not know. My other side of the family, the Shaws, my mother's side, yes, I'm still working with them, but they move around a lot. Uh, Industrial Revolution in the 1800s, people are moving all over the country. The Lightfoots, I can get back to about 1700, and then they they disappear, so I've got to find them. And then there's all the other ones, the Darks, the Welshies, the um, Tomlinsons, the Brockleys, the Brockleys. You just get sidetracked, because all these new people turn up in your family and somebody does something interesting and you're off. So it's not just following one family back. You can follow a whole multitude of families. And if you do that, you're invariably in a small place in England you find that that family married into this family, which married into that family, which married back into that family, which married back into this family, and you start to think, my God, it was a small village. My grandfather always said that the invention of the bicycle was the greatest thing for the, for the gene pool. It actually meant you could go outside your village and find somebody else to marry. And if anybody can get their family history back to 1500, I would I be very, very impressed. I don't know anybody who has. Okay. So, just to summarise it up, 
talk to your family but there are limits to their knowledge for various reasons and there are discrepancies in their knowledge and there are embroidery in, that takes place in their knowledge for a whole heap of reasons. The internet does not have all the answers despite what Ancestry says. You may actually have a, a situation where you actually need to go into a record office and deal with paper. Um, English record offices in particular are just treasure troves of things. You've got ancient maps you can, that they quite happily give to you and they say, oh, be careful of that, that one's a 1500s map. And you think, oh my God. Or else they'll give you a pair of gloves and say, be careful with that, dear, that's the only one we've got. Oh, how old is this one? Oh, 1300. Right. But you're looking at original documents and you're finding out a wealth of information. Um, famous people with the same surname as you've got, chances are against you being related to them, uh, being related to royalty. Yes, inevitably, I suppose all of us are at some stage, but not that we can probably determine. Uh, coats of arms are the other ones. The Americans are big on those. You can buy a coat of arms for any family you want off the internet or um, in tourist places. The fact that it's, you're not entitled to it is something quite different. Coats of arms were given to specific families for specific reasons, for specific periods of time. I'd be very surprised if any of us in here are entitled to a coat of arms. Uh, the Davies one is very very attractive. Uh, your tree may only be traceable a short, a short way back. I cannot get my name tree, the Davies, back past 1850 and I have tried extensively um, and I doubt if I'm going to be able to. Um, so I look at other trees in my family. It's just, there's just too many Davies in Wales and which one belongs to me I don't know. Um, you need to check, list your sources and check them. Some sources are more um, legitimate than others and if you keep a record of where you've looked, that means you don't go back and look at it four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times later. Uh, spelling errors. Uh, very often there's a reason for a spelling error, so don't automatically create it, uh, correct it. Have a look at it and find out what the reason is. Same with dates, um, only fill in blanks with proven facts, not family stories. Um, verify absolutely everything for yourself. Unless you do that, you're dealing with a work of fiction. Um, any, any other family trees that you come up uh, across online that are yours in terms of your family, treat with a great deal of caution until you can verify that they're accurate. If they are accurate, contact the person who put them together. That's the other person to work with. And building and verifying a tree does not take a weekend. It takes a considerable period of time. But it is one of the most rewarding things that you can do. And the whole sense of who you are and where you come from um, is really quite, quite interesting once you start to, to develop a family history. There is a little churchyard in a village in England. Um, uh, it's a very small church and the churchyard is quite extensive. Um, everybody who's buried in that churchyard, except for three people, is related to me by birth um, or marriage or um, some other connect family connection. 
and it's it is a, it's like walking walking amongst a very large but very very quiet family reunion. You know, they never argue with you. It's all sorts of things. But as you walk around, you know their life story, and it, it's absolutely fascinating. And I have a whole heap of kids um, who are very excited at school that this year is the centenary commemoration of the outbreak of World War One, and they're telling me all about. Oh, I had a great-great-grandfather who fought in World War One, you know. And I had this and I had that. And I've asked them as a genealogist, do you know anything about him? Oh, he died. Yes, well, that's a pretty fair bet. Do you know how he died? Oh, he was killed in the war. Yes, but do you know where, when, how, anything about him? No. So all you know is he fought in World War One and he died. Yes. Which I think is incredibly sad. You should actually know more about people. So that's that's what I'm inter- why I'm interested in genealogy, and it's the people, not the dates. It's the people. Well, I recommend it. By this stage, you should have a whole wodge of information, and it needs to be organised. Otherwise, it just remains a box full of information. On the internet, there are two fantastic charts. One's called a family group sheet, the other one's called a pedigree chart. And that helps you organise people into groups, family groups with all the information um, that goes along with them, puts people into context in generations. Um, There's stacks of them on the, the internet. All you need to do is a Google search, download one and then just print it off. But it helps to keep you organised. I use file cards that one per person so that I've got an an ongoing record of all the information that relates to that one person. Other people use a couple of cards per family. It's whatever way you think. Some people think in generations, other people think on the computer, people need things in front of them. I'm a concrete person so I need cards in front of me with information. But if you get disorganised you will remain for the rest of your natural life disorganised with this stuff. It is essential you organise it right from the beginning. It doesn't matter what system, as long as it's organised. Once you've got this, you're in a position to say, now there's a huge gap here. I'm looking at my great-grandfather. They had children every two years and then all of a sudden there's a ten-year gap and then they start having children again. What's happening in that ten years? Why is there a 10-year gap? And you go looking for information to actually explain that gap. The usual one is that you find um, couples having children up until 1914. They don't have children again until 1920. It's World War One. If there is that gap, there is a very clear indication you're looking at somebody who was serving overseas and probably for the entire period of the war which means you go looking for a war record. If you're looking at a gap of five years, people were in Australia or people were in one place in England, then you're probably looking at children who died in infancy. So you're looking for death certificates, you're looking for deaths and burials, uh, you're looking for a trip, trip to the local cemetery or churchyard, which is fascinating. So you need to start to identify gaps. You have the birth date for one child, you're missing the birth date for three others. You're creating a list of what's next to do, an action plan. 
um, whether whether you actually follow the action plan or get distracted, of course, is a different matter. Um, and that's at that stage you can start exploring what's on the net. But if you jump straight on the internet, you need to systematically start with you and go all the way back. Once you've finished going back as far as you can, working with your family, that's when you deal with the internet. And there's a massive information out there. This is not the case. You need to have a starting point for ancestry. And one thing ancestry doesn't tell you is it's very expensive to get a subscription. Local libraries have ancestry for free. So if you are going to try ancestry or going to try genealogy or something you're going to pursue, find a local library that has ancestry, use it in the library and make a decision as to whether or not it's worthwhile you taking out a subscription. If it's not, then just become a regular visitor to the library. It's just as good. A whole heap of other information out on the internet. Our database is produced by the Public Record Office of Victoria. They have shipping lists accessible for free. There's a whole heap of other people who, will, who don't appear to have lives. They will sit in a record office in England and transcribe all the birth, marriage and death records or baptism, marriage and burial records and put them up on the internet. So do some creative Google searches for the place you know your ancestors came from and then put parish records online and see what pops up. There are also free databases by genealogists who have an objection for paying to paying for their records. So they put up records for free. Free BMD, which is almost complete, is the record of births, marriages and deaths for people in England. It's on the internet, it's accessible for free. Free SEN is the list of the is the um, record of census information for England. It's not complete yet. People are still putting information up, but you should be able to find your ancestors in census documents. And census documents in England began in 1841. You can get them all the way through to 1911. Uh, if you get the 1911 census, you are looking at your ancestors' handwriting along with a whole heap of really hilarious information. On the census, people were required to, uh, to give their name, their surname, their first name, their age, how long they were, to be, they were married, the number of children that were born, the number of children still living, the number of children who had died, their occupation, who they worked for, their place of birth and any disabilities. A number of people actually put next to their mother-in-law who was living with them as a disability talks too much stayed too long should leave now etc some interesting people obviously intimidated by authority must have been told you include everybody in the household either that or they had a wicked sense of humour because you find the cat and the dog listed Fido six years old, born in Berkshire, disability, queen of the year. All these sorts of things like this. You get the, the address, the specific street address of where these people live. But the 1911 one has your, has your ancestors' handwriting, um, which in itself is fascinating. And you can tell a great deal from handwriting. Somebody whose handwriting is jerky all over the place, lots of blots, 
this person is unused to writing. The level of education is probably low. His occupation doesn't require him to write. Uh, therefore, he has produced a signature which is very stilted. A big, bold, confident signature tells you a lot about the personality of the man who, who signed it. So you can start to create a personality for the people that you're, in, that you're researching. Free Reg is parish registers, baptism, marriage and burial, which go back beyond 1837. So they can go back as far as 1538, if you're lucky. So you're looking at information that will take you further and further back. Uh, and that is freely available online. Family Search, God bless the um, Mormons and the Church of Latter-day Saints. They have a mission to link everybody back to the Mormon Church and that's fantastic because they collect genealogy records like you wouldn't believe and there are your ancestors and they've got records that nobody else has which is wonderful. Because they're so concerned about sealing people back to the Mormon faith they put their records up on the internet for free and all you do is Google family search and up it comes newspapers um, Australia has a project to digitise its um, papers it's called Trove if you Google Trove newspapers you are into the archive of Australia's newspapers for free you can search it by name by publication, by year, by day, by date, by month and you can find all sorts of stuff about your ancestors. No television, so the newspapers recorded the most interesting things. The equivalent of Trove in the UK is the British Newspaper Archive Online. Unfortunately it is not free but it's a pay, what they call a pay-per-view site. Once you've accessed something you can then pay for what you want to download. You don't have to subscribe to it. If you subscribe to Ancestry's arch enemy called Find My Past, you automatically get a free subscription to British Newspaper Archives Online. Or you find somebody who has and you say, look, I'll mow your lawn if you'll go and check these for me. The genealogy community is like that. I get emails from all sorts of people all over the world oh, you've got to find my past subscription. Can you just check this for me? People who are distantly related to my family, I've met them online, I chat about the family, I exchange information. I've never met them and I'm never likely to. But I look up stuff for them and they look up stuff for me. And genealogists will do. Can you go back one? However, we all know what the internet is like you have to verify what you find because it's a totally unregulated uh, anybody can put anything up on the internet unless it offends common decency it stays there so the whole thing of I get this from I'm, I'm a teacher I get this from kids all the time it must be true it was in Wikipedia oh duh uh, if it's on the internet it must be true I got it from the internet miss well no and nobody makes up a genealogy record? Excuse me. They do. Our friends, our friends in America are very fond of starting off with a very firm conviction that they are related to royalty and they make the facts fit. There are also a whole heap of people out there who pursue genealogy for some very crackpot reasons. 
I belong to the Australian Institute of Genealogical Studies, which is a very pompous sounding organisation, but it's um, basically a group of really interesting people. They're not at all pompous. But on our shelves we have a very well... So should you ever go into the AIGS, David, and find this, do not bring it to class and say, look what I found, okay? Because it's flawed. And there are a number of other people who've got genealogies that are out on the net and probably about your family too, which look very, very convincing. But they have, I call them stitches. They found bits and pieces of information, stitched it together and it all looks really good. But when you test it and you try and verify it, it all falls to pieces. So there are lots of family histories on the net. There's lots of information on the net which will solve your problem but until you can prove that it's true and you can document it, it should go as a possible, a perhaps, a maybe or into that category of, oh yeah, right. Okay. And it's up, it's up to you to check. If you accept something, even ancestry trees, anybody who's got a subscription to ancestry knows that you can get into everybody's public tree and you can find all sorts of interesting pieces of information. A lot of them are just wishful thinking or else stitches. Um, and the big giveaway is when you get into somebody's family tree and they claim to have 59,000 relatives. I think they've just been collecting. You have to verify everything. If you're working by yourself, then you are likely to get very frustrated. You hit brick walls and you can't solve them or you go round in circles or you get fed up or you get disheartened or you decide golf is looking a lot better and you wander away from it and then ten years later you come back and think oh I wish I'd spoken to so and so, I wish I'd done this. It always helps to work with somebody else. Um, you will find somebody in your family is vaguely interested and if you talk to them long enough you'll get them very interested. And having somebody who looks at your family research is extremely useful. They're the sort of people who will point out the obvious to you, which means you hate them. For 20 years I had two people, same name, same, same first name, same surname, same family, they were cousins. And they were born in the same year and they were born, as far as I was concerned, in the same quarter of the year. And one had a large family, which was mine. The other one didn't have a very large family. And I thought, poor fella. It wasn't until 20 years later, somebody who had contacted me and said, oh, look, you know, I'm working for somebody who, who's looking into the same family. Can we exchange information? I'll give you a copy of everything I find, etc." I said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And he got back to me a little while later and he said, do you realise you've got the Williams around the wrong way? I said, what do you mean? He said, you've got William married to Judith over here and with a large family and you've got William married to Hannah over here with a very small family but it's the wrong William. So what do you mean? Well, William didn't marry Hannah, he married Judith and that William didn't marry Judith, he married Hannah. Overnight, I lost the whole family and I was most peeved. There's 20, 20 years of research down the tubes but the difference was there was somebody looking at my research. Um, previous to that, I had simply done research by myself and I knew what I was doing, didn't I? Well, apparently not. So, 
I've got a different branch of the family now and I'm very pleased for his very large family but I've now got a very small one and the researcher I'm still very pleased with. So having somebody look at your research, they point out the obvious, you know, things like, do you realise that person died before, they, before his wife gave birth to their last child? Yes, I know that. Yes, but that was an incredibly long pregnancy, Jane. That's uh, 13 months. Oh, right, okay. Just simple things like that. You make the assumption, oh yes, this is a posthumous child, but you don't do the maths, or you just make an assumption. So having someone look over your shoulder is really good, which is where you might like to consider joining one of Victoria's um, two genealogy societies. That's why I joined one. There's the Genealogy Society of Victoria, which is based in the city, which has as its main interest um, Australia and Victorian genealogy. Then there's the very pompous sounding Australian Institute of Genealogical Studies, which is in Blackburn. Find, find a um, local genealogy course. Um, I got bludgeoned into offering a genealogy course for the Eltham U3A, which is a great deal of fun. Um, I get to play with other people's family histories and records that I ordinarily wouldn't get to play with and I'm learning a whole heap about records. But they can jog memories if you're working with someone in the family. Someone will suddenly say, oh, I've got a piece of paper you might be interested in and out comes this absolute treasure. Or they will solve problems for you. Oh, well, you know where you can't find that, can't, don't you? He was in jail, you know. Oh, was he? Yes, but don't tell anybody. Well, that instantly gives you a whole new avenue of research. Oh, yes, well, well you know, yes, she, she, oh, yeah, well, she never married, you know. Yes, but she's got two children. Yes, and we all know about that, don't we? It was that boy who had that farm, you know, that farm? Hmm? Well, yes. And all of a sudden you've got parents, you've got a father for children that you didn't even know existed and you're into the local newspapers and sure enough you find all sorts of things. I've recently just discovered a whole branch of my family in a place in England that I would not have thought for one minute they would have gone um, to live in. And it was David's fault that I found them. I was checking something somebody and I came across the name Proud and I thought, oh, I'll just go and check that because there's a record of Prouds turned up in, in um, Northumberland and while I was there I came across Lightfoot's and I thought, oh yeah, an Enoch Lightfoot. I thought, well that's interesting because I've got Enoch Lightfoot's and they've gone missing. So just out of interest, I checked and sure enough, he's my Enoch Lightfoot. He's nicked off from Cheshire, gone north. I've been looking for people who were salt workers and salt is not something I associate with Northumberland because Enoch was a salt worker, mining salt. There's apparently a whole heap of salt mines up in Northumberland. Not only is Enoch Lightfoot up there, but his whole damn family's up there and his neighbours and a whole heap of cousins. So if I hadn't have been fossicking around and just saw Proud, and I'll check that. I'm sorry, David, I got distracted. I never did go and find your prouds but yeah but I found my life it. so that sort of thing is, is absolutely fantastic plus it keeps you motivated and it gets up this is one I would, oh, 
Makes me laugh. Oh, it only took me a weekend. Yes, I, I got onto the internet and back to 1500 just overnight. Three days. And the people who say, oh, you know, back to 1250. Right, that's interesting. They didn't keep records then, you know. Once I got started, it was easy. I just found them all. Oh, yeah, right. Unusual surname made it even easier. Unusual surnames do make it much easier. But the temptation is to say, oh, you know, Fredericksburg, living in England, that's unusual. There's another one, must be the same family. Not necessarily at all, okay? Um, and I got my family back to 1500 in three days. It's a never-ending story. I've been doing it since 1971. I have got my Davies back, however it's spelled, to 1850, and then they disappear in the wilds of Wales. You try and find a Davies in Wales, you've got millions of them. Which one is mine? I do not know. My other side of the family, the Shaws, my mother's side, yes, I'm still working with them, but they move around a lot. Uh, Industrial Revolution in the 1800s, people are moving all over the country. The Lightfoots, I can get back to about 1700, and then they, ch- they disappear, so I've got to find them. And then there's all the other ones, the Darks, the Welshies, the um, Tomlinsons, the Brockleys, the Brockleys. You just get sidetracked because all these new people turn up in your family and somebody does something interesting and you're off. So it's not just following one family back. You can follow a whole multitude of families. And if you do that, invariably in a small place in England you find that that family married into this family, which married into that family, which married back into that family, which married back into this family, and you start to think, my God, it was a small village. My grandfather always said that the invention of the bicycle was the greatest thing for the, in- for the gene pool. It actually meant you could go outside your village and find somebody else to marry. And if anybody can get their family history back to 1500, I should I will be very, very impressed. I don't know anybody who has. Okay. So, just to summarise it up, talk to your family, but there are limits to their knowledge for various reasons, and there are discrepancies in their knowledge, and there are embroideries in, that takes place in their knowledge for a whole heap of reasons. The internet does not have all the answers, despite what Ancestry says you may actually have a situation where you actually need to go into a record office and deal with paper. English record offices in particular are just treasure troves of things. You've got ancient maps you can, that they quite happily give to you and they say, oh, be careful of that, that one's a 1500s map. And you think, oh my God. Or else they'll give you a pair of gloves and say, be careful with that, dear, that's the only one we've got. Oh, how old's this one? Oh, 1300. But you're looking at original documents and you're finding out a wealth of information. Famous people with the same surname as you've got, chances are against you being related to them, uh, being related to royalty. Yes, inevitably, I suppose all of us are at some stage, but not that we can probably determine. Uh, Coats of arms are the other ones. The Americans are big on those. You can buy a coat of arms for any family you want off the internet or various places. The fact that it's, you're not entitled to it 
is something quite different. Coats of arms were given to specific families for specific reasons, for specific periods of time. I'd be very surprised if any of us in here are entitled to a coat of arms. Uh, your tree may only be traceable a short, a short way back. I cannot get my name tree, the Davies, back past 1850 and I have tried extensively um, and I doubt if I'm going to be able to. So I look at other trees in my family. It's just, there's just too many Davies in Wales and which one belongs to me, I don't know. You need to check, list your sources and check them. Some sources are more um, legitimate than others and if you keep a record of where you've looked, that means you don't go back and look at it four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times later. Uh, spelling errors. Uh, very often there's a reason for a spelling error, so don't automatically create it, uh, correct it. Have a look at it and find out what the reason is. Same with dates. Um, only fill in blanks with proven facts, not family stories. Verify absolutely everything for yourself. Unless you do that, you're dealing with a work of fiction. Um, any, any other family trees that you come up across online that are yours in terms of your family, treat with a great deal of caution until you can verify that they're accurate. If they are accurate, contact the person who put them together. That's the other person to work with. And building and verifying a tree does not take a weekend. It takes a considerable period of time. But it is one of the most rewarding things that you can do. And the whole sense of who you are and where you come from um, is really quite, quite interesting once you start to, to develop a family history. There is a little churchyard in a village in England. It's a very small church and the churchyard is quite extensive. Um, Everybody who's buried in that churchyard, except for three people, is related to me by birth or marriage or some other connect family connection. And it's, it is a, it's like walking, walking amongst a very large but very, very quiet family reunion. You know, they never argue with you, it's all sorts of things. But as you walk around, you know their life story. And it, it's absolutely fascinating. And I have a whole heap of kids um, who are very excited at school that this year is the centenary commemoration of the outbreak of World War One, And they're telling me all about, oh, I had a great-great-grandfather who fought in World War One, you know, and I had this and I had that. And I've asked them as a genealogist, do you know anything about him? Oh, he died. Yes, well, that's pretty bad. Do you know how he died? Oh, he, oh, he was killed in the war. Yes, but do you know where, when, how, anything about him? No. So all you know is he fought in World War One and he died. Yes. Which I think is incredibly sad. You should actually know more about people. So that's, that's what I'm why I'm interested in genealogy and it's the people, not the dates. It's the people. But I recommend it. Just do this one. I'm on the internet. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This was produced and presented by David Proud of the Rotary Club of Canterbury in Melbourne, Victoria. Other podcasts can be found on our club website, which is www.canterburyrotary.org.